Okay, thanks very much, Will, and good morning from me to everybody. Um, I'm delighted this uh, workshop is, is taking place. I mean, gas, as you may have noticed if you read newspapers or listen to the radio, is never out of the news. But of course, one topic that's never in the news when we talk about gas is the role of the network. Uh, networks are often forgotten in electricity, and the same, I think, goes for gas too. So actually, I think the workshop is very timely uh, and very important that we talk about not only the role of gas in general, but actually what that means for, for networks, particularly at the local level. So I think my function this, in the, the next 10 minutes is really just to tell you a bit about UK Energy Research Centre, those of you who don't know us, um, and then I'll just give you a little bit of context and some thoughts I had about what are some of the key issues that might be discussed during the workshop. This is um, just some words about UK Energy Research Centre. Um, many of you are, are, are no doubt familiar with us, but if you're not, um, we're a distributed centre, so we don't exist in one place, as the word centre might imply. Uh, we have a headquarters uh, mainly in London, near Imperial College, and the meeting place that have organised this event are based in Oxford. Um, we've been going since 2004, with current funding until next year, uh, but we're expecting to be able to extend that for uh, up to another five years, uh, but we still have to go through the process of applying for the next phase of funding. I guess the key words for me are policy relevant, independent, and interdisciplinary, the kind of research that we do. Um, we have 40 research projects and studentships going on on a range of topics all across the energy system, including on networks, on supply, on demand, on an energy and environment. Uh, PhD students as part of our cohort of researchers as well. And we have, at least in the middle of last year, about 50 full-time equivalent staff, research staff working in the centre. Uh, that's declining a little bit now as we get towards the end of the current phase. And the really important thing is to say is that the communications and networking functions of which meeting places are part are really complementary to the research programme we have. We've um, sort of running an internal competition since I arrived uh, in our research coordination team to represent our research programme on one slide. I've inherited one, which is what I'm going to show you, but if anybody's got any great ideas about how to represent it in a more exciting and interesting way, then, then, then please let me know. Um, I've innovated so far in, in that I've animated the slide, so at least you can get some sense of where it comes from. So these are our five research themes, uh, fairly familiar phrases, demand, supply, systems being mainly modelling, but other, other things that cut across supply and demand as well. Energy and environment, talking about the mainly non-carbon environmental impacts of energy use, and then technology and policy assessment, which does a series of reports on controversial topics, such as peak oil, the rebound effect in energy efficiency, and investment in low carbon generation. And then that explodes into a whole series of projects, I don't expect you to read them all, uh, which have been funded under the current phase. And there are a few more to add to this now. We've just made some decisions recently to uh, fund the last few projects in the, in the current phase. But I guess what I wanted to highlight, um, and you maybe can't see it on the screen, but in the, the ones that have gone slightly darker, in some way engage with issues of natural gas, whether they're about um, industrial energy use, uh, so there's some projects up to the top left here, energy use in industry, etc. cetera, uh, whether they're about resources, or so oil and gas resources down in the bottom right, system modeling. We have some work on gas and electricity network modeling as well. So there is a lot of work which is somehow linked to the theme of today and tomorrow's workshop, but nothing specifically on, if you like, what happens with the end of, or the potential end, the local gas distribution network. So that's just a few words about Newkirk. Um, 
Luckily for you, or maybe not, you'll see what you think when you've seen the slides, I'm doing a lecture in Leeds as part of Climate Week this evening, so I had some ready available slides on, on natural gas and where we've actually come from. Because when talking about the future, my first instinct is always to look back. And certainly when we're talking about long-term change in infrastructures, which is what we are doing, I think appreciating what kind of changes have taken place in the past can often be helpful. I mean, clearly, as many of you know, where the natural gas uh, infrastructure, industry, supply chains, etc., we have today are only part of a longer history that we have. Uh, natural gas now dates back about 40 years in the UK, but before that, we had many decades of what was called town gas derived from um, coal. Um, and so I've dug out a few historical pictures as part of my research for this evening. Um, I discovered that actually one of the first established trade unions was established uh, as part of this nascent coal gas industry. So this um, banner, trade union banner, actually shows pictures of infrastructure on it, which I thought was quite nice, um, including the familiar gasometers in the middle, which were used to uh, store the gas once it was produced. And we see those all over the place in towns and cities all over the UK. Um, and that's just one of them. Now, so, um, for, for in many cases, the actual gas works has long since disappeared, and this is the main infrastructure you still see for local storage of gas, which, of course, is part of that gas infrastructure we're going to be talking about. But through the 1960s into the 1970s, of course, we had the big switch to natural gas, and that was a prompt to actually change from a series of local infrastructures for gas distribution to customers to a national gas infrastructure. So this picture is taken from a book published some time ago showing the first liquefied natural gas import into the UK in the 1960s. Uh, the first ship, which is here, arriving uh, in Canby Island, um, and that was a prompt for building the first backbone which became the national gas grid. So the gas grid we see today very much dates back to the 1960s, and that was before we switched to natural gas. So if you like, that switch from town gas to natural gas and the kind of uh, way we use gas today is very much linked up with the way that infrastructure developed. And I think that's perhaps important to understand when we talk about what the future might hold. Just some quick numbers, and I'm sure others will add to this with a lot more detail as the day goes on. Uh, primary energy consumption in 1970, you can see natural gas is very small. Um, of course, the, the gas that we did use as town gas is very much hidden in that very large uh, wedge which is coal, so some of that coal went into manufacture of town gas. And then come up to almost up to date to 2011, you can see that light blue wedge has grown enormously and the coal wedge has shrunk at the same time. Um, so the role of gas is very, very large now in the UK, not just in power sector but across many other end use sectors, homes, industry and so on. Other things that have happened recently of course are that the structure of the gas and where we get it from and, and the trade in gas has very much changed for the UK. So we've turned from a country which had North Sea gas, developed it, was a net exporter until about the mid-1990s towards, I mean, people say we are now a net importer, which is true, but also, as this graph shows, we are a trading nation of gas. We do still export quite a lot of gas, even though actually we're, uh, what we're doing is... Um, is importing on a net basis. So we're a trading hub now for gas with, with all the infrastructure that goes with that. And this is from National Grid, just showing in the, in the last decade how that has changed the flows of gas on the, high, uh, on, on, on the, the large um, pipeline network, the National Transmission Network. 
Um, as you see, as, far, as recently as 2000, it was a mainly a one-way flow with gas coming in from the various different places, the North Sea, uh, Morecambe Bay, etc., from north to south, rather like the electricity flow, which is rather similar. And now, in 2012, a much more complex uh, set of flows, which, of course, makes the gas network perhaps a more interesting and possibly more exciting thing to operate. I don't know. Those who are doing that will no doubt tell us. So I guess what I wanted to emphasize is that, you know, there's been a long history here already. Gas industry has been through a whole series of different transitions, both with respect to the fuel that we call gas, from coal gas to natural gas, but also in terms of the infrastructure. And it's already changed from one which was lots of local grids towards a national integrated grid. And now we're thinking in the workshop about how that might change again. Some issues I thought that might be picked up, and of course there are many others. These are just a few that I'd like to highlight with finishing. First, that of course, much of the gas debate is conflated with power sector discussions. And I think the really useful thing about this workshop is it's thinking about the other uses of gas, particularly in homes, but also in small businesses and, and, and large industry as well. Um, so of course, moving away from gas in the power sector is in principle possible. You can go to all sorts of low carbon electricity sources, but replacing gas in, in homes in some industries is perhaps a bit more difficult. There's all sorts of issues as the brief said, around space, when you move to other ways of heating homes, around costs, are they going to be low enough for people to switch away from gas? Technological change, sometimes the technologies aren't ready for people to buy, or if they are, they're seen as experimental and risky. There are skills issues around installation and issues of consumer acceptance linked to that. I think the other thing I wanted to mention really is that in the academic community, we've really done a lot of research as part of looking at the transition to low carbon economies on how you might bring in new systems. How do you bring in new technologies? How do you build up new infrastructures, whether they be um, CO2 pipelines or networks for offshore wind farms? What we haven't done as much is think about how existing systems, which we may no longer need, actually might decline and under what conditions might that decline be managed. And that's not just about the infrastructures, but it might be also what are the impacts on the firms, the companies that actually manage those networks and have to invest in those networks. Um, and path dependency probably means that's far from simple. So actually, a key question for me is under what conditions might those transitions away from the existing systems actually happen? What, how are they possible? What are the issues thrown up about that with respect to the gas network? So that's just a few thoughts that you might want to uh, at least think about through the day, but I'm sure others will pick some of those up and speak about them in more detail. So I hope the workshop is a great success. As I said, I'm really pleased that the, the topic is receiving some attention, and I really look forward to hearing about the, uh, the deliberations and seeing what the outcomes are. Thank you very much.